This is Fiberside Chat, a 3GIS podcast, bringing you the latest practices in the world of fiber networks and plus architecture. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Fiberside Chat, a 3GIS podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the show. We appreciate you listening along. As you're listening, make sure that you subscribe to Fiberside Chat on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, where you'll find a full catalog of previous episodes, as well as notifications when we drop new ones. You can also go to our website, 3GIS.com, again, 3-GIS.com, for more information on solutions and services, but also other pieces of 3GIS content, including more episodes of the podcast, articles, videos, and more. So on this episode of the podcast, we're going to be doing a deep dive on how telecom service providers can build to scale today's telecommunication infrastructure needs. And for insights, we're joined by two executives to help ground these tips and perspectives on scaling in telecom with their personal experiences, both as CEOs, but then also as, uh, in I guess, more broad sense, as executives helping lead digital transformation within the telecom industry. So I'm pleased to welcome our two guests, Tom Counts, CEO of 3GIS, and Sky Perry, CEO of SSP Innovations. Tom, we'll start with you. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. Thanks. Thanks so much for uh, hosting us today. I'm looking forward to this. Absolutely. It's a pleasure having you on. Just real quick, what would you summarize as uh, the main reason why we should be having this conversation today and what draws you to wanting to share your insights on the topic today? Well, everybody's aware that there's a shift happening in in broadband demand today from, you know, requirements of COVID to the gold rush that Google started just a few years ago. Everyone's looking at telecommunications a little differently than before. At the same time, we're seeing a shift in what we, so you mentioned uh, telecom service providers. You know, the, the definition of telecom service providers is also changing as we actually have this conversation. We used to always think of the big three, um, you know, who are the tier ones, tier twos in the space. But there's a huge groundswell of, of, of new entrants and, and what I call the, the munis, co-ops, electric utilities that are, that are really starting to play in that space. So it's probably one of the biggest changes I've experienced in this, in this industry, and, and I've been doing this a while. I like to tell people I'm coming up on 30 years, but actually I've been doing this for 32 years, as scary as that sounds. And I've seen, you know, I've seen a couple of big shifts in the industry. But I would say this is probably the most exciting one I've seen, but it's also a big shift in who that telecom service provider really is to a lot of, the, uh, well, I was going to say a lot of America, but really to a lot of the world. So I'll, uh, I'll over answer this question a dozen times, but it's, I, I think it, it, it bears witness that it does desire the respect and discussion and review of how we attack the industry and how we attack the problem because it's not traditional. We can't look at it like we have for the last, you know, 30 years. We have to look at it as, oh, the digital transformation that's happening in front of us today, just as we're doing this podcast. I'm sitting at my desk, guys, and his, his, his desk in Denver. I'm in Alabama. Daniel, I don't know where you are, but we might as well be sitting right next to each other. And just not long ago, this wouldn't have been nearly as, as seamless and simple as it is today. I want to introduce our second guest as well. Again, Sky Perry, CEO of SSP Innovations. Great to have you on. How are you doing? 
I'm doing wonderful. Uh, thanks for having me today and excited to be here to talk about this topic. Yeah, absolutely. So same question to you real quick. What is, um, I guess, a summary of why you think this is an important conversation to be having today? And uh, you know, what sort of insights are you excited to be bringing to the conversation? And then we'll start to get more specific with our uh, podcast. Sure. No, that is totally fair. I'd echo a lot of what Tom said, but you know, what, what I really see and what we really see within the industry is that the demand for bandwidth is just skyrocketing. Uh, and, that, and that is the first and foremost component. And it's not just in consumers uh, via cell phones, right? This is enabling new industry across the world, new communications and new software providers, uh, new communication mechanisms that we never thought before. And when you really think about what that means to our world holistically, right? That there are, there's new innovation that can only now be brought to market. And Tom was alluding to this, uh, even with this podcast and how easy it is. But in the broader context, if you think to every single industry in the world that can now utilize bandwidth to bring new technology, new patterns, new, new truly new innovation uh, to, to their consumers, to B2B, wherever that need is. Uh, it, but the foundation is the bandwidth and the bandwidth is tied to the providers. So we're seeing really uh, the demands of the world and the industry placing this, this requirement out there and, and, and the providers of bandwidth are rising to meet that need. And that puts, uh, of course, stress on them as providers, but uh, therefore stress on all of their vendors who are providing the supporting systems because you can't do it without the right data, without the, uh, the right systems, without the right predictive analytics. And to bring those things together, that's the only way, uh, and that's why I'm so passionate about the industry that we all play in, is that we, we're working to enable these, these providers of bandwidth to rise to meet that occasion. And, it, and it's not an easy thing to do, and it's something that we're going to be battling every day for a long ways to come. But it's only through true innovation from uh, the demand side all the way to uh, us in the vendor space to enable that transformation to occur that we can ensure that we can really enable our world to evolve at the pace that is being, you know, the demand that is being placed upon us. And, that, and that's pretty darn exciting. All right, Tom Sky, thanks for the insights. Let's go ahead and uh, get a little more specific here with our conversation. So another main reason why we've got you both on the call today is because 3GIS and SSP Innovations are coming together to broaden and deepen the level of services for deploying and managing telecom networks. I think this is a great uh, framing for the rest of the conversation as we start to unpack uh, why we're seeing this increased need for a sort of reimagined approach to um, efficient and useful digital infrastructure and telecom. So let's just start by better understanding why is this helpful news for telecom service providers that 3GIS and SSP innovations are coming together, especially in the context of helping them scale to meet today's demands? Well, we're very excited to team up with Tom and the team at 3GIS. And, and that's specifically because we see them, and really from our perspective, the market sees them as the leader in providing geospatial-based telecom solutions to the, to the industry. Uh, what we're able to bring uh, it is certainly a, alignment within the ESRI industry, which of course is a larger geospatial industry, but specifically investment and acceleration around allowing them to continue to grow, to, to meet that demand that's being placed upon them to service their customers better. So we're, we're terribly excited to, uh, to get together, to work together, to drive additional innovation and, and truly to fund uh, the future of where 3GIS is headed into the future. Tom, thoughts? Yeah, well, exactly. And this, I mentioned, I think the gold rush that started back when Google began building fiber to the home five or six years ago. 
And, and while we were ready for it, we weren't ready for it. We were hit with so much FTTH interest. And since we're the only cloud-based system running on AWS today, it created a, a massive interest in our ability to reach out, out all the way from the EPCs through the carrier's delivery and surveillance of the network, which has really never been done seamlessly before. And, and with that demand that we received, we couldn't really answer it effectively. And with what we're facing today, um, with, with again, I'll say it with, with COVID, with a shift to the broadband from what I look at from downtown to down home, the needs are exploding and, and the, the customer base is equally exploding and, and the reach for the, let's say the, not the reach, but the request for service capacity down to the rural carriers is something totally new in the industry. And honestly, we're, we're not, we haven't been big enough to answer those questions. So just as the, the, the great pontificator Mel Gibson said in The Patriot, aim small, miss small, right? Well, we did. We aimed small. We hit our target dead on, but, but we kept our target pretty small. Um, and the target, to be honest with you, is massive. And, and with SSP, I believe we can not only aim to the larger target, but we can deliver successfully and efficiently to that target. If, if you look at everything from planning, design, engineering, construction, all the way through the OSS side of the world from provisioning, activation, and, and, and surveillance, we'll be ready. And we are ready. And, and we, we continue to invest and we continue to position our product to answer that call. But without SSP, I'd still be thinking small. And that's kind of silly. Uh, if, if by definition, you look at SSP innovations today, you look at 3GIS, put us together, we are by far the largest provider in this network space. And um, we're going to act like it and we're going to be global and we're going to we're going to rise to this occasion. Exciting stuff, y'all. I mean, yeah, this is some pretty big news. And um, now with that in mind, I want to open up the conversation a bit more and just better understand the uh, industry and market motivators that would encourage a collaboration between 3GIS and SSP Innovations in this way. So let's get a little more general. Let's better understand the landscape of what telecom infrastructure looks like today and its most pressing needs. So we'll start here. We're seeing more and more telecom service providers are in a rush uh, in a race, really, to establish and expand their geographical footprints. Can you give us some context on why that is? What's motivating that uh, that race for expansion? Well, there have been a couple of races going on in, during my career, and it's really it, it, it recently it's been a race to the pole. It's when everybody was trying to get fiber to the home out. Who could get on the pole first? Because the last person on the pole lost, and you had to pay for all the expense of upgrading upgrading the infrastructure, upgrading the supporting infrastructure for your infrastructure. Well, that race is changing again. That race still exists. Don't, for, don't, you can't, you can't forget it, but that's now only a small component to the race that we're seeing. But, but the race is, is multifactored. There's a race in the traditional telco space. That's where your big tier ones live. And they're in the basically tend to live mostly in the NFL cities where the big race is because they're racing to for densification, for 5G, for fixed wireless, for 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 owning that industry. And it's that 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 race is always going to exist and it's it's not for the faint of heart. It's violent and it's bloody and it's 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 exciting to watch. But the new race is the rural race. 
And, and that's where the tier twos to tier threes, the munis, the co-ops, and the electric utilities are really playing a space. Now, the electric utilities have a couple of different factors pushing them. They've seen a declining revenue for the past decade. They've been looking at how do I do revenue replacement? But at the same time, boom, you've got RDOF funding that's just come out and COVID that's hitting everyone and all the people, people have run to the woods. <laughs> they're, 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 they're sheltering in place. They're, they're working from home. And the, the, the race to be able to successfully allow them to do that is on and it is on big time. And, and with SSP, who has a fantastic reputation and position all across the utility space, we are going to finally be well prepared to answer that call. So it's something we're excited about. And it's, again, it's changing the landscape of telco. It's not just going to be the big threes out in rural America, which is where I live in Alabama, to be honest with you. So it's something that, that strikes very near to my heart. It's the old cobbler's kids have no shoes. Here I am, I'm helping build networks all over Nashville, Atlanta, Detroit, but <laughs> where I am in Alabama, we've been, we've been kind of short. And so now with, with, with the support of, of, of SSP and, and looking at the, the funding that's being let to, to allow rural America finally get fast internet for fiber to the home, for fixed wireless, for even Starlink, um, I, I think we're going to see a massive change to how we, how we address the industry and now how we answer that question. And with SSP, I can't tell you how excited I am about being able to say, let's go get that. Let's go take care of it. Let's service those customers well. Yeah, I, I, I'd speak to that as well. It's, it's interesting because uh, SSP's business historically, uh, up really through the state, it, it has been utility focused. And we've done a lot of telecom work over the last decade. But uh, as Tom alluded to, a lot of these utilities have either internal based telecom networks or we really have seen a shift within utilities and, and specifically a lot of cooperatives and uh, municipal based utilities to actually selling uh, fiber and or bandwidth to the end consumer as one of their, their commodities. And that, uh, to Tom's point, is diversifying their revenue mix with something they can actually be focused on to increase as a new profit center. Uh, but with that said, what we've seen in the utility industry is a general lack of, of technology to support that movement. Uh, we've been putting in telecom solutions as best we can, a lot of custom development. Uh, and and it's, been, it's been an interesting thing to watch 3GIS's expansion within the telecom market, which is what got me really excited about, about them, uh, because they've really taken, taken it by storm. Uh, in fact, I'd been pursuing, and I kind of joke with Tom and others there about this, I've been pursuing a partnership with 3GIS for years. Uh, and, and I always, I joked, you know, they would never give me a call back, you know, and, and I tease, of course, but it's real, it was really about us saying, hey, we, we want to bring 3GIS's uh, products through partnership at the time into the utility space because there is a dire need to move to this new web-based platform for outside plant management. And it turns out now that I know a little bit more about what was going on, they were just so busy. You heard Tom talk earlier about how focused they were on that target and, 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 and meeting the needs of the customers they had in the private telecom market, and they were doing that. So it turns out they were just too busy there to, to, to help us. So this is the way we've evolved to get there. But uh, one of the, you know, we absolutely want to support 3GIS and continuing to grow and attack and expand and innovate in that telecom market, but for sure, uh, we are looking to bring their technology as the mainstay telecom offering within all of our utility customers. We work with uh, almost 200 uh, utilities across the United States alone. And then, as Tom mentioned, worldwide, there's a, a tremendous need. Uh, so, so, you know, bandwidth, and, and, and that's the, the interesting part. 
as a commodity, it's being sold by so many different organizations, and, and, it, and it isn't just the big three, right? And that's the part people don't always think about. But if you, if you went to these anywhere outside of the centralized downtown area, you're going to find a tremendous number of, of, of providers. And, and that's the interesting thing to me. They all depend on, on this fiber backbone and this connected network. And, and to provide technology that allows the, uh, who, the backbone to scale, you know, that's what it's all about. And, and utilities have been missing out on that too. They're tied to legacy and older technologies. And this is going to be a, a truly an exciting event to, again, break down that barrier to allow them to move forward uh, to kind of try and, you know, I hate to say it, but catch up with the private telecom industry. Yeah, if you look at the RDUF funding that just happened, that went out, there were over, what was it? I kind of think the number is almost 400, 386, I think, participants in RDUF funding. You know, and, and Sky mentioned the big three, you know, that's 383 players that are not the big three that are really trying to go out and, and, and meet this need. That's right. And a lot of them need help. They don't have, they're under extreme pressures from the government now. Hey, we've given you money. You need to deliver at least 25 megs. And most have a plan to deliver 100, 100 megs or even a gig or better. Um, but they've got to do it in a very short time frame or they face penalties. So, so it's all about automation and velocity to make this happen. And it's going to take a massive implementation effort to make that happen. Even though we're in the cloud and we can turn people up quickly, there's training, there's, there's, there's uh, data migration, there's integration into their back office. There's a lot of pieces that have to happen to make this truly a successful implementation. And it takes, it's going to take a good-sized company to do that. And SSP and 3GIS are positioning themselves now, organizationally, and in, in, in a way to effectively answer that call. And again, previously, I, I wouldn't have answered the phone. Um, and Sky, <laughs> I didn't realize I wasn't answering the phone for you. I feel bad <laughs> um, because that was that was short-sighted. I mean, I'll admit it right now. It's uh, we probably we probably hurt ourselves. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we're, we're well past that. We're rectifying the situation today. And that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. the, that's the important point. Right. And, and that's probably where I, I might take a little bit of the conversation next is just the complementary uh, backgrounds that our, our two companies bring. Uh, I founded SSP back in 2003. And, and as we've grown, we were primarily a services provider. And, and that's my background too, is implementing technology projects for uh, customers and all of the change management, the project management side of that, the the true software development lifecycle, uh, bringing you, of, of course, core product solutions, but the customization, the integration, and running very large projects. We work with most of the large utilities, as an example, across the country that you'd be familiar with. And, and we have evolved into the product space. Uh, and we do a lot of utility products or, or generate a lot of products uh, in that area today. But what we saw when we when we, we looked at 3GIS is they have, they've come from almost the opposite direction of product first. Uh, and they are a completely product-oriented business. And, and they certainly do services to implement their products, but they've really focused on not getting into the, the customization business, which is a, a tremendous move for a, for a product provider. But my point in saying all this is that by bringing these two, and, and you know, to be very clear, we're both very uh, large organizations on our own, but as we bring them together with these complementary backgrounds and, and offerings, as I go through and, and sort of articulate the synergistic opportunities between us, uh, that's probably gets me just as excited as anything because we do different things. And when we bring those together, we're gonna do all of it a whole lot better. And, and, and if I had to sum it up in one word, it would come down to scalability. And, and, and I think that's, that's what the, again, that's what's being asked of us is, is, is these, every vendor out there, 
uh, in the telecom space or, or everybody who provides bandwidth, they have to scale. But they can't scale without having this data and analytics side at their fingertips, and that's where we step in. So our goal uh, in joining these companies together is to increase our scalability jointly to then, again, provide that to our consumer base. And, and I think it's uh, both companies have been limited in certain areas based on size and, and ability mm -hmm. to scale up. And this is, this is focused right there. And, and the, world, totally the world is open. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we have an amazingly scalable software product. Our, our company was just, we, we had very little elasticity left in the stretch. <laughs> <laughs> so with this growth and uh, race to expand their geographical footprints, it's also driving their vendors to align with more service offerings and larger service areas, naturally. So can you connect the dots there for us a bit? How is this impacting vendors' abilities to reach these wider markets with more and more solutions needed as well? Well, the vendors don't want a lot, of, a lot more solutions. Let's be clear about that. They're trying to consolidate, make things smaller, make things easier. And honestly, sure. if you look, if you look at network technology from a circuit switch to a packet switch network, it is it's a much simpler network topography we're dealing with. Um, so the whole OSS side of the world, the complexity there has gone way down, which has created an expectation that everything is going to get get easier to use and cheaper and simpler to deploy. And back into that. That's what 3GIS's mantra has been. I mean, previously, the last couple of companies I've had, our, our company, our, our product has been massively complex. The user manual was the size of a New York City phone book. Um, it took, you know, a month to train you, and then you needed probably some personal mental relaxation after that, and then another month of training. But today, we can train you to use our system literally in a day. It's very obvious to use. So as, as people look at an asset management, so a GIS-based asset management system, it used to be relegated to, hey, these are dots and lines on a map and I just know where my stuff is. And that was okay. Well, that's the expectation today is they don't want to buy a planning system and then they don't want to buy, buy a design system and then a construction management system and then an outside plant asset management system. That They want to buy one system and that's where Esri has enabled us so much to, to be able to deploy a single footprint that can help from planning to design to engineering of, the, of that design to constructing that design and making constructible packages that can immediately be permitted to actually deploying, activating, and, and provisioning that, that network. And, and 3GS Web, 3GS Mobile, we do that. So the idea of saying, hey, we're going to offer a lot more that's needed in this space, we're trying to offer a lot less, I'd be honest with you, and, and, and do more in the single footprint. Now, we have different flavors and different pieces of our, of our software that are deployable to, to meet what I call niche needs. But as a general rule, 3GIS Web well suits the entire footprint of an OSS today, or let me call it of a of a network service provider. I still want to call it a telecom service provider, and I think that's unfair. But to for a, a network service provider, I think I think we're we're well positioned product wise to answer the call. And we can do it for a total cost of ownership that is fractional to what the historical, what I call desktop solution would be, which you would, you know, you'd have, you'd deploy a lot of heavy desktop software that would talk to a server somewhere and save the data. Now, everything here being cloud-based, everything is, is, is saved in one location and you have one single source of truth. Now, I'll go off on a little bit of a tangent here. I sat on a really interesting call yesterday with BT, 
and they were they were talking about a single source of truth and and how they're working toward uh, an AWS based architecture to bring all their OSS into the cloud so they're they're a single source of truth you know today most telecom operators I did it again. Most network service operators have multiple sources of truth, and and that that is that is really the case for ninety percent of telecom oper- network service operators, and we're working really hard to help them understand that that you don't have to do that, and and I think I think BT is being very avant garde. In, in waving that flag, most telecom ser- network service operators are, are are very reclusive, and they don't want to share their architecture and their plans because it's it's a competitive advantage. But kudos to BT for not doing that and saying, "Hey, here's here's what really makes sense. It's going to save them a lot of money. It's going to allow them to deploy faster, and it's going to give them a better, a much more ubiquitous footprint across their enterprise." So. That is always and has always been our mantra since we started 3GIS is to create a, a, a data model that can support, you know, from beginning to end of network, from planning to, to retirement. And I think the last thing a network service provider wants to hear is you've got a lot more new tools to offer them. I think they want to hear you have a single solution that can consume a lot more, that can solve a lot more of their problems in, in a single footing. That's a long answer to a short question, but it's it's a pretty important view that I think that that they keep bringing up, and they want to simplify, and it does cut cost. It, it, it cut costs, and it, it brings in automation and velocity to their knock and to their overall uh, operations altogether. Tom, you you mentioned a term there that we have used for you know decades now in the utility industry as well, and and, and it's single source of the truth, mm-hmm. and. You know, what I think the, and I'm going to have to try and change my, my terminology to network service provider now, uh, <laughs> see if I can keep up with you. Uh, but uh, the point being is that the, the idea behind that is the same in utilities, telecom, any infrastructure. When you really think about the, the world of infrastructure and how uh, GIS and, and, and utilizing geospatial technology in general for your, your strategy for business, what that means, single source of the truth. It's the same for uh, managing your, your outside plant uh, for fiber. It's the same as managing your conductors and, and how energy flows from a substation to a meter at your home. And the larger geospatial contact, back to the question of connecting the dots, it goes to exactly what Thomas said, which is a single source of the truth that feeds into the, be it web, mobile, et cetera, different avenues to get that information to the consumer of it within the business. Uh, but foundationally, the other major shift that uh, technologies like 3GIS have, have, have done for the, our, our customers is that it, it, it takes this data that used to be maintained within, as you mentioned, a, a client server mode, but that departmentally, when you think about the organization of a business, you had to go to the GIS department. You say, hey, I need a map of, of this part of the service area. And as these service areas continue to grow, there's just more and more maps. And, and back in the day, right, these were all just paper maps. And then it became points and lines, to your point. And now we've t- that, taken that data and made it, made it intelligent. But most importantly, I think, even beyond making the data intelligent, connected, traceable, and driving a lot of the analytics, is that that data now, because it's centralized in a, a cloud-based, centralized format, is accessible to the entire organization. So what I would say is, is within any uh, network provider, network, network service provider, uh, you know, I would challenge anyone to think of a piece of data that's really not tied to a location, right? You think about a crew, you think about a work order, you think about obviously the infrastructure that's installed 
uh, out in the field. Every single part has location. So I would then challenge you to say you could almost tie every single employee's job within that company to location. And if you go back 10, 20 years, how did they perform their job without having direct access to a GIS to have that geospatial location against whatever job they're performing? If it's customer service, looking at customers in the field with customer complaints or, or failing infrastructure or predictive failures, all the things that we can do today Back then, how did they do these things? And of course they managed and they, they grew, but what it did was limit their ability to scale. So now we've taken this, this centralized information. We've put it, not only, not only made it, again, more intelligent, but we've also placed it into the hands of, of literally every single employee across these organizations. Again, in, in the format that makes most sense. So they have it in a mobile format when they're out in the field. They have it in a, a web format in the back office, but it, it enables their decision-making and really derivative creation of process. Uh, and this is something I get very excited about, meaning uh, that if you have this core authoritative model of your network, and then you have the ability to take, you know, take the easiest case, customers. A, a set of customers is called in for some reason. They all have service addresses. You're taking those service addresses. Maybe you have that in a spreadsheet. But if you can take that and, and via the address, uh, geolocate them on a map, cross-reference that to your authoritative network infrastructure, you have a, a new relationship that has been created by you instantaneously on authoritative data that will drive decision-making that was not even, you know, couldn't have been fathomed uh, a decade ago. And, and that, that concept of taking the data and expanding it out, this, this concept of making a system of engagement for the entire business, it's been around for a while now, but the fact that we're allowing that to be realized by getting away from a client server or, or you know, a thick client uh, exposure, or, and then again, in the business side, the departmental side of having to go to a GIS department who was, you know, the gatekeeper to this information. By putting that information in the hands across the organization, it's truly, uh, it creates transformation, not just in technology, but in business transformation uh, to allow these folks to to innovate and to create even within their individual roles. And, and that's something that we, you know, really, I never even thought about, quite honestly, a decade plus ago, but we're seeing that become the central theme. And, and it just put places more importance on creating a true authoritative system that is, is accurate, that is connected, and, and that is then again accessible. And, and when I look at what, what you've done, Tom, with 3GIS, that, to me, that, that's a big, big part of it. And that's really cool because there's not anybody out there in the market who, who has done what you all have done around creating that type of centralized data model, but then again, the tools uh, to put it in every single employee's hands that needs that information. Right, and that's why we started the company, to democratize the, the, the solution, to, to make it truly federated. Everybody has access to it. Everybody can see the same piece of data. When they edit it, everybody sees the same edit and change. It's shared just naturally, natively. You don't think about it. You don't say, right. oh, I have to post this and then recall it. No, it's just shared. And um, anyway, it took a while for people to actually believe we could do it, especially web-based. Uh, but here we are, and it's, 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 it's scaling. It's running well. So, Well, I think the adoption to it is still going on, right? Don't you? I mean, it's, it's, it's oh, there yeah. now, but to get people to understand what can I do? And then, of course, they think, oh, I have this information. But to get them to think bigger, that's, that's organizational change management, which is, again, that's something that SSP has traditionally focused on is, is not, you know, how, how do we then think bigger and, and get you to think outside the box, which may or may not be related to the technology at hand, other than it's an enabling uh, co concept to allow that transformation to occur. Uh, so I think we have an exciting couple of decades ahead of us, really, because it's going gonna, it's gonna to be transformative. Absolutely. And I like the way you put it. It's not relegated to the GIS person in the corner anymore. It's uh, if you need access to the data, you have access to the data. That's right. 
So let's get more specific on uh, this push to broaden market reach and uh, just sort of expand offerings in general and how that's impacting uh, specific aspects of telecom infrastructure. So in general, how does a push to scale to this size by telecom service providers impact their supporting technologies and infrastructure? And are you seeing service providers strain to meet demand with existing infrastructure? What are you seeing? Well, absolutely. They're straining to d- in the demand to meet infrastructure because of the pressure that's being put on them for speed that we discussed earlier. So instead of having to roll out dozens and dozens of EPCs with d- different s- software tools to bring in the data, our largest customer is actually caused their EPCs to centralize really on our software. So they're all working, as Guy talked about, from that single source of truth. So they can all access the same data. They can all work in harmony. So EPC A sees what EPC B is doing and can see what EPC C is doing. So they don't tread on each other. So they can understand if they're going to be tearing up a street. Uh, they won't do it in a sense that that breaks a detour, right? You can't t- you can't tear up street A and street B and and, and completely shut down the city. So it, it's. As the speed goes to from densifying f- for 5G in the big city to, to rolling out fiber to the home rurally, uh, it has to be coordinated, but that has to be done quickly at the same time because of either pressures of the city or pressures of RDOF. Um, so velocity, velocity, velocity. And using, again, a web-based system where we all share the same data, we all can see the same source of truth, we see what each other's up to, I can plan against it, I can actually start marketing and selling against a plan, where historically you market and sell against constructed product. So as soon as I understand, hey, Street A is going to be finished on December 31st, I'm going to have it sold on December 15th so I can activate it on January 1st and the time to cash is nearly instant. That's never happened. Come on, let's be real. That's that's never happened. And it's because you could never see all that picture at one time coming together. And our, our largest customer absolutely understands that and has cut so much waste out of their process simply by using our system. It's, it's staggering. Uh, I, we, we've got white papers that are out there today about how much money can be saved, how much time can be saved, how quickly you can get paid. I mean, that's what the EPCs drives the EPC. They want to get constructed so they can get paid. And by using a system like ours, again, they understand how to build a certain area most efficiently without getting tied up with another EPC so they can get finished sooner. And if they do that, they get paid sooner, the customer gets gets activated sooner, and everything happens faster. And believe me, today, I want faster internet at my house more than anything else in the world. And if anything can help that happen, I'll pay a premium for it. And people are saying that everywhere. And so we're seeing the, the rapid... For well, let me back up for a minute. Even what we see in the from the RDF funding, if you look at what's happening in the in the municipal and co-op industry, when they have to get votes to approve their fiber build out, they're averaging a ninety percent approval rating on fiber build out in 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 the rural areas. That means ninety percent of their constituents are saying yes, I want this desperately, and I mean that's you know. Wouldn't a presidential election like to see a 90% approval rate? I don't think anything can get a 90% approval rate anymore. So the demand is super high. And if 
it's you you don't want to take you don't want to let that kind of inertia go to waste and so it's all about velocity and automation and that's what we're focused on um, so i'm not so sure if i answered your question exactly how you poised it but it's it's how we're it's how we see it today the network the, the top three the, the big three we talk about network service providers they're still fairly traditional in their approach um, they're more aggressive than they've ever been they're going after it so to speak but in the rural areas, they're not so much going after it. They're le they're leaving that up to the other 383 people to go after, and so that's a big market on both sides of the coin. And with SSP, we don't have to just aim small, miss small. We can address the entire market scape. I, I'm kind of laughing over here, Tom, as you talk about rural and fiber to the home, because I, I live in a very rural area, <laughs> and uh, we're on microwave. And, and you talk, you know, the. The, the, exactly what you're saying, the 90% approval rating uh, of desiring bandwidth is, is absolutely true. And I'm a great case of that because I would pay almost anything to get more bandwidth. Uh, I, I just upgraded, if you can believe this. So I've been on the last three years on a, on a 15 meg uh, microwave circuit to, to my home. And, you know, that just wasn't cutting it. You get some Netflix going, you get some, uh, some kids playing video games, and you're trying to work from home especially. So I've, I'm now paying a tremendous amount per month to get up to a 40 meg circuit. And I was begging them to get me up to the higher bandwidth. But it was tied to, and I had to, by the way, when, when I shifted, I not only had to pay more, we had to do an entire new service install. I, I dug the trench personally, another 100-foot trench out to a new location for a new microwave dish pointing to a completely new tower, which was new equipment, which, of course, is tied back to the fiber that went to that tower. Right. Uh, and I've talked a lot with my service provider, who's a rural provider, uh, about how they manage things. And, and even though I have microwave and that, that connection to specifically my home where I get bandwidth, uh, they are very focused on getting the fiber to the towers and who they purchase that bandwidth from. And, and the only other piece I'd say about what, what I've learned uh, much more about both the industry and, and how 3GIS has addressed it is, is the complexity of the networks uh, is going up. It, it's simple on the one hand, but even, even really the volume is probably where I'm speaking to. The number of fiber strands that we're putting in the ground, you know, in the utility context, I, I have not seen a cable count, a lot of 144, maybe some 288 on occasion. And, and you guys are talking about uh, some of these, these bigger private telecoms putting in, you know, thousand count cables or, or even bigger. And to have a piece... Yeah. How big? Yeah, huge. 3,200, right? yeah, crazy. Mm -hmm. 3,200. Yep. And if you think about that, so, right, right, and for people who understand telecom, they get it, but to, when I talk to end consumers, hey, they're putting this one cable in the ground, which has ribbons, of, and each has 3,200 individual uh, strands uh, of glass. And then, of course, we get into the WDM world and, and provisioning on top of that. You know, it, it gets very complex very quickly. And, and you know, we talk about you know, fiber densification, but that's dense data, that's dense infrastructure. And to have a, a piece of software that can one, handle that, that size of infrastructure, that complexity of infrastructure, but then to also be able to scale it up, the platforms, and this is the biggest issue I've seen, even my most complex utility customer, which is a, a GNT, a generation and transmission side, they've got pretty complex infrastructure. And we, we, we actually work to build some provisioning components on top of uh, the base software. But I tell you what, it's slow. It's slow. It doesn't scale well. And, and when you talk about clicking a button to try and get information about a patch location, and it takes, I mean, if it takes 10 minutes, that's killer. But if it takes, if it takes three minutes, that's still too slow. And, and what I've seen with the 3GIS software, what you guys have done, not just around building a web-based centralized system, but making it performant and scalable to the complexity of the data that's going out, that is a true differentiator that I've not seen anywhere else. And, and that 
is going to, and my point to tie it back to the, the rural side is that even though I'm on this microwave channel, it's all about the fiber to that tower in the end and the bandwidth that could be for, for provided. And, and that fiber is going in and that part is, even for even if I'm not going to get fiber to the home anytime soon, I'm still dependent on getting fiber to that tower. And darn well, believe me, I will pay more and more if they can get more fiber and more bandwidth to that tower to send to my home. So the dollars are there from the consumer side. And it's really about these providers at whatever level they are, be it the, the centralized fiber folks who are, are putting dark fiber into the ground all the way to you know, my rural provider, but they all need decision-making tied to the underlying data. And they can't make that without a system that can, one, manage it, and two, that can respond quickly enough to allow them to make that decision around planning, design, construction, as-building, all those components. And, uh, it, and it's not an easy lift. And you guys have done that well. <laughs> I'd like to say we were really smart and saw that coming, but I had no idea we'd ever see a 3,000 strand fiber cable. And there's actually some 6,000 strands, but there's some, they're, they're, those are mm. unicorns. But, you know, in, in the idea of, if you think of a 3,000 strand fiber cable, it's not going to be a very long cable because it's, it's kind of big. And, and then when you splice it, that's 3,000 splice connections. And then that, that cable connects to cables, connects to cables, connects to cables. And all these splice connections have to be, as you said, managed as data to understand how it's connected. How's an e-bone connected to the thigh bone? If something breaks, how do I fix it? Who's out? How do I repair it? How do I, how do I diversify it? How do I route around it? Those are all questions that have to be answered in seconds. And, and if you can't manage massive data stores like that quickly and effectively. And I'll have to say, you know, there's, there's a couple of real people I, I, I salute and look up to very much. That's Esri, who helps us manage our geospatial data so very well, and Amazon, who helps us scale that even f further. So back in the old days, I remember we were managing, even just in the construction side, if we could do 4,000 posts a day, we felt like we, we really actually had achieved something. We had, to, we, we had to really reinvent the wheel with Esri to be able to do 4,000 work orders a day. Now, during one of the biggest build-outs we supported by uh, our friends in Mountain View, we were doing 40,000 posts a day with EPCs and our system never missed a, missed a beat. And to be honest, I was surprised. I can't, uh, when they said they were going to have that kind of number, I thought, oh my goodness, this is going to be interesting. And we killed it because again, the right infrastructure with, with Amazon, the right, the, the right platform software with Esri, it worked really good. It manages the data. It puts the data in and, and with our, I've never been a big guy on patents, but we've gone crazy with our patents because we have understood what it takes to really manage these massive amounts of data. We've, we've protected that, that knowledge in our patents. And, and so now with our signals and our ability to, to process the connected network in a way that it's never been processed before, you can say, okay, here's my port at a home. How does this really connect back to my, I want to call it a central office, even though that's not really the case anymore. How does it connect back to the internet? I can really know it instantaneously. There is, you'll, you'll certainly never wait three minutes. You might wait a second. And that's, that's part of the magic of, of 3GIS web. And that's, again, that's something I'm very proud of. And it's something that as, as customers start to grow, they start to understand, even the rural guys, come on, they're, they're not going to be putting in 288 strand cables. They're going to be putting in uh, 432s. They're, they're going to be putting in very large cables because they're going to be dropping a fiber at every home or at a lot of, as you said, microwave sites. 
they've got there even the small guys are going to have massive amounts of data to deal with and they don't know that yet and so we're here to help them understand it and help them solve that problem that's it and 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 to that point just to reiterate once again I, the consumers the end consumers we're willing to pay for it and so the, the market is there for them and i and i believe the providers realize that so then it's literally even for those rural folks it's a race to say how quickly can we get this infrastructure in place to capitalize on that in consumer market the dollars there and and just to comment on what you said, I love everything you said, uh, but you had me, you won me over when you said you could access it in seconds, because that's not the case today. And I and I have, you know, I, I'm, I like to get my hands dirty. I've implemented a lot of these telecom systems myself and helped design them. And I've seen firsthand the pain that goes through when you have to click a button, get a cup of coffee and come back before you get your data on a given uh, splice location. I mean, that just, just isn't going to work as we go forward. So right. that, that, is, that is what we're doing. And we're allowing the providers to capitalize on the in markets, which is driving their revenues. And that's why this is successful is because we're allowing them to gain revenue. And, and because we're tying to profit centers, I mean, that's where the demand's going. And, and that's why I'm so excited. This is where we're gonna head to take this business to the next level to allow our consumers to win, which is is, is just a winning methodology from, from the get-go. And that, that's why we're here. And that's why we've made this partnership uh, and we're gonna make it work. So another aspect of this that I think is important to bring up is that new service offerings, at least in today's landscape, also have to drive new business processes that create and use data to manage assets for better decisions. Are you seeing this push to integrating data uh, into more and more business decisions and I guess more specifically into the infrastructure to enable said decisions uh, is that making scaling easier is it making it more difficult and how are you seeing telecom providers begin to strategize to make their uh, infrastructure as data rich and responsive as possible it well it's it's changing the way they look at it, it they think at it differently there's if if you look at the old network designs they were all basically in the united states anyway they were all kind of star designs you'd you know hit a main point and you just blast out from there well now there's we, we have multi-architectures, again, more patents we have on ways to design, build, and deploy fiber. So so what, what happens now is you can do distributed split, centralized split, you can do hybrid splits. There's there's lots of ways that you can make sure you, de you deploy that service to the end customer. But which one makes the most sense financially and, and economically depending upon densification of the customer base? And so, so what we've done is try to create these hybrid models. So you can start with one architecture and then kind of phase over to another architecture and then phase over to a third architecture. So you start getting maximum use of the design from the endpoint all the way back again to the, to the internet. I always want to say the knock, but by doing that it, it and by trying to automate that through, through tools like network express, we can say, tremendous amount of time and money and and utilize your assets at a much higher consumption rate so you don't strand fiber you don't strand assets you don't and you don't strand customers or you don't strand prospect customers but at the same time you know it's looking at an evolving endpoint so with iot and with edge computing, the endpoint is starting to starting to get a little fuzzy at the same time. Um, the endpoint is not just a customer address. The endpoint could be uh, a panel in a neighborhood that can become its own server center. 
And if, if that's going to be the case, it's going to need special bandwidth to just that panel that's much greater than the sum of the network, some, some of the endpoint network uh, that, that can support that edge computing need. Uh, but again, what that does is greatly takes the load off the backbone. So all of this has to be considered in an architecture that is kind of our roadmap, our path, our future of looking at even AI and machine learning to understand, hey, here are predictive models of where edge computing and IoT will start creating additional bandwidths and how we can respond to that. And, and that's important to us to, to always be thinking a little, a little bit in front of the customer demand today, because I do absolutely believe just with autonomous vehicles and all the things that are going to change IoT and, and home health care, all the little things that are not just watching Netflix, but um, that are starting to automate the home, starting to create the smart city, starting to create smart traffic, starting to create, you know, uh, it, I mean, smart garbage collection. All of these things put a demand on the network that we're not really thinking about traditionally, but we have to build infrastructure because people don't want to start digging up the streets again as soon as you get finished. So I know our customers are talking to us now about densification beyond just 5G densification. And that is, how do I build a network? How do I plan and prepare for the next wave of, say, IoT and edge computing? All right, Tom, I've got a main question for you here. Uh, I want to pull from your experience a bit uh, to uh, better contextualize not only uh, your uh, approach to scaling a, a telecom company within this broader landscape, but also understand how 3GIS is supporting uh, the scaling of infrastructure needs. So under your guidance, uh, 3GIS has established its market leadership and has rapidly expanded its geographic reach as well. You've received numerous awards for the company's growth and civic participation, so you've really set the bar high. As 3GIS has grown, how have you seen the company refine its support of telecom digital transformation? And what are some insights you can share for what has worked for scaling 3GIS as a player in the telecom space? And you know, what kind of insights can you give as an executive? Well, it's, that's, a, that's a really, I could talk an hour on that question. So <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll do a whole uh, follow-up podcast. Just on way down. So it, it, it's about simplification. Again, I, th I think I alluded to how, how complex these systems have historically been. And our goal is really to truly take the complexity out to make it consumable across the entire enterprise. People are expecting much more of a self-service world these days. And why you, I don't really expect that to exist in what I call the, the tier ones, the big three, the big seven ultimately globally. But when you start moving into the market where the, the, the real additional act, activity is starting to happen, those other 383 we were discussing, they don't want to have to be tied to me, uh, tied to 3GIS, tied to SSP, tied to their software provider forever. Now, we want to help them forever. We want to be there as their, as their backstop. We want to help always bring them new technology as their technology demands change. But they don't want to have to deal with us all the time because they want the software to be simple to use and simple to maintain and just work. So what we have done in transforming 3GIS is, is we have a, a complete new customer advocacy group that works on listening to the customer, finding out what is their, their, their current 
problem du jour, you know, collecting that across the scope of all of our customers, and that drives a lot of our roadmap. And it's about automating the tasks they do daily, so they don't spend a lot of time doing those tasks and can can shift their their concentration to other things. And what that really ultimately boils down is, I probably sell less software because they can do a lot more with it. But that's okay because they see me as a partner in their success and they'll want to do more with me as time goes on. And I will want, want to grow my, my footprint as well in that network service provider. I do want to do more with them. I do want to get more into the, the activation, provisioning, surveillance side of it all. And I'm not there yet. You know, I do want to uh, work more in the software-defined network and network feature virtualization and the whole stack there. And we're not there yet. But, but we have an architecture, and this is, I guess this really what boils down to a lot of that question, is we've architected our system, and we are, we are constantly reinventing ourselves, but we're architecting our system to be, to be microservices, to be fast, to be, to be responsive, and to be integrated tightly into their entire operations of their, not just their back office, but their front office and their mobile office. And so the idea of relegating GIS to the corner with the guy on a propeller hat, those, those days are over. And, and people have talked about federating the data through client server for years. But, but now it's about how do I make that data actionable? How do I automate much of those processes? How do I take away a lot of this typical standard drafting and, and automate that? I mean, we can take a design. I can cut 90% of your design time out with a lot of our tools. Say that out loud. I can cut out 90% of your design time with our tools today. That's, that's unheard of. And so when you take that mindset of, hey, I'm going to take the, the mundane, the rudimentary things that you task that you do every day, I'm going to automate that and let you focus on what really matters service. And don't, don't let that get by for a second is, is that's the reason so many people look to their utility. People tend to love their utility companies. So when a utility company says, Hey, I'm, I'm going to start offering fiber. They tend to flock to those utility companies because utility companies are first and foremost, all about customer service historically our cable provider has not been the best reputation in customer service and people tend to want to run away from them. So what we want to do is help both sides of that equation is help allow more focus to higher quality services to deliver higher quality services at a faster pace at a lower cost. And how we do that is through smart architectures, understanding edge computing, understanding absolute consumption of all your assets out in the field and not abandoning anything and how to efficiently reach that endpoint customer at the same time. You know, that, that's a tall order. Let's be honest. That's a pretty, pretty tall order. And I not I think, I keep wanting to say I think, I'm absolutely sure that's where our history comes very handy. We, we've been there, we've seen it, I've experienced it, I've gone through those pains, I'm empathetic, I know where it hurts, and our focus is taking that pain away. And actually, not just taking the pain away, taking the thought of the pain away and making it automated so you can concentrate on what matters. And and that's a, that's a, that's, you know, Talk is cheap. It's easy for me to say that. Give me a shot. Let me try it. I'll prove it. Uh, I'll prove it in our design side. I'll prove it in the, our ability to create permittable, constructible prints that are ready to go, that generate what I call 
capacity and confidence in the design by, I mean, so many cities and so many, so many places where you're doing your permitting, they don't have confidence in a lot of the EPCs and a lot of people doing the build today. And when you start showing, I'm generating these designs that are consistent, reproducible, and they recognize it, they get very confident in, in the EPC's ability to build. Those, so those permits go through faster, your construction goes through faster, your service turns up faster, everything goes faster. So I'll belabor that if you let me, but, and that's just really a, a fraction of what we're doing here at 3GIS. And as we were alluding with Sky earlier, with putting us together, I mean, it's an old phrase, you know, put one and one together and get three. I'm telling you, I'm, you're putting one and one together here and getting 11 because our ability to answer the call across the entire network service provider space is going up exponentially. And I, and I think that it's also going to create the capital that 3GIS needs to keep staying way ahead of the curve. We were way ahead of the curve when we were web-based. We are way ahead of the curve in our ability to offer a SaaS solution on demand that's scalable. And we're way ahead of the curve in truly putting the design engines into our system to do automated designs so much faster and so much, so not just so much faster, but so much more complete than any of our other competition out there. So we've invested, we continue to invest and we see nothing but blue, I wouldn't say blue skies ahead, but I mean, it's going to be interesting, very interesting skies ahead. And, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun and we're ready. We're ready for the challenge. All right, Tom, thank you so much for those insights. I want to pivot and ask a similar question to Sky now. Uh, Sky, you've provided technical architecture development and management solutions for GIS-centered implementations since around the year 2000. So you've been in this industry for a while now. Uh, similar question, what has your approach been and SSP's approach to supporting telecom infrastructure scaling and how has it manifested into some wins for your client? And what are, I guess, some insights that you can lend from your own experience as an executive scaling a company within the telecom space? That's a, that's a loaded question for sure. And you know, as I think about the answer, I, you know, I'll start more from the implementation side because that's where I started my career. As I mentioned, I was very hands-on. I, I did a, a lot of programming back in the day and implementation of GIS solutions for uh, telecom from a, a pretty young age. And with that said, you know, foundationally, when we talk to anyone, be it a utility or, or we did some private telecom work even in those early days, so often they just don't even know in a accurate single source of the truth type of way where their infrastructure is. And, for, you know, outside plant management and, and managing down to the, the fiber level and through splice enclosures, etc. That's awesome. But, you know, so many didn't even have a map that would show their, their infrastructure. And this goes towards tower placement. This goes through uh, j just managing the assets that are there for the purposes of inspections and maintenance, let alone knowing the underlying infrastructure. So foundationally, we, we've seen transformation within a number of, of telecoms that we've worked with over the years, simply by geospatially enabling their business from the get-go. Uh, so many that we've worked with, be it wireless companies or, or tower companies, they were managing files in, in things like Google Earth, which is a good start and an easy low cost of, of, of getting into managing some kind of a mapping system, but it doesn't bring any of the additional uh, support or analytic contents of having an OSP or truly even just the GIS uh, from the foundation that what Esri brings. So moving that direction, geospatially enabling telecom for the first time has been transformational. Then we got into the OSP world and truly managing down with a, a number of other desktop-based products. And that, that at the time was darn exciting. Uh, Tom's been through that in his career. 
Uh, I've certainly been through it in mine, uh, beginning to understand how, how when we could not just get to, there's a, there's a cable in the ground, but this cable contains buffer tubes and then you know, actual uh, strands of glass, and then getting down and, and dividing that over, over the lambdas and, and, and doing you know, circuit management within that uh, port to port. That was the next evolution. The third evolution for me was then actually getting to provisioning and, and trying to do that in a geospatial context. And, and that gets hard very quickly. Whether you're talking Sonnet TDM or Ethernet, it's very, very complex. Uh, but we've seen all that sort of occur, that natural progression, and, and hit a wall. The wall was scaling and performance. And it's just that complexity of the, the data that we were talking about earlier. Then my search began to look outward. This wasn't something that I had direct line of sight as to how to fix. And this is a couple of years ago. And that led us to look at the industry and say, has anybody been able to solve this performance and scaling issue? And that answer, quite clearly, and based on our, our investment today, is 3GIS. And that kind of evolves into, you know, I, I like to believe that I'm a, I'm a CEO and a leader that, that is, is focused on the actual, you know, what are we doing? I'm not just, just a business guy. I love this technology. I love the geospatial architecture solutions we provide customers. And when we discovered that, as I mentioned a few years ago, my first inclination was, could we partner with these guys? Could we take the solution? They have solved a really, really hard problem. Could we take that to our customer base? And, and they were busy and that didn't work out, but we're here today joining forces for very much that same reason, because they have solved this hard problem. We want to now help them scale and, and, and bring that certainly to more telecom customers, but in, inter, you know, bring that to the utility market too. And that drives my, my business decision-making. So you know, we, we bring a, a fair bit of investment backing that will allow uh, 3GIS to continue to grow, uh, to continue to innovate. Uh, you never can stop, right? As soon as you stop uh, innovating, you know, uh, folks catch up. That's the, the nature of working in technology. So allow them to continue there, uh, but also just harnessing again from the kind of side of, of combining two companies that do things very well, looking for synergistic processes across the companies. Where can we help each other? Where can we learn from each other? And by the way, that's, that's probably the most fun part of this entire, uh, these type of acquisitions and, and, and partnership merging uh, of two really good companies is looking for how do we build something that is bigger than the sum of the individual parts. And, and doing that on the business side, when it comes to finance, when it comes to investment, when it comes to uh, driving new markets, uh, and, and specifically what I like to say that we can bring together, and I know that Tom and I are going to bring together, uh, is bringing a keen focus on, on enabling the technology to advance and innovate. That, that is the core, that is the lifeblood of our businesses. And, and we wanna focus on that, we wanna accelerate that. Um, we, you know, the market, we, talk, we were talking about this race, the race is on. Uh, 3GIS has been uh, a leader in that race thus far. We just want to give them, uh, you know, add a little uh, octane to the, uh, uh, to the uh, fuel tank and get this thing really taking off to that next level, which will result in better support for the existing customers, but also bringing uh, this technology to so many new customers. So there's the business side of, of why we're so excited to, to do this. It, it starts with technology and innovation. Tied all together, it just proves to be a very enjoyable career. I love what we do. And I tell you what, working with the founders of three, including Tom Counts, uh, is just an inspiration to me as I look at their career to try and to continue to bring that value to the industry. So GIS is just a wonderful example. All right, Sky, thank you so much for that insight as well. That basically wraps up our conversation for the day. So Tom, Sky, I want to thank you both again for joining us on the podcast. Last main thing I want to leave our audience with is just some uh, actionable advice or tips that they can start to implement now for their business. So if you had to summarize what we've been talking about and uh, turn it into some, some steps, some strategies that can be implemented sooner than later, 
what do you think telecom service providers can do ASAP to rethink and better strategize for scaling their infrastructure, not only to meet uh, current and upcoming demand and needs within the telecom industry, but also some of the intersecting issues like making sure infrastructure is data rich uh, and making sure that it responds well to any future expansion uh, or innovations in technology. Two words, start smart. Sky said something about so many people begin with, with, with Google Earth and start drawing lines on the map there. And you, it's amazing how many times we've seen that. And they're starting with unrich data when they do that. And to move from people get, get, get started, begin that path and realize, you know, I need so much more data. I need so much more information to smartly build this network. And they, and all of a sudden, you'll go back and take this data and realize it was not a smart start. They started, you know, they looked, were looking at what appeared to be the right street to go down. It wasn't the, at all the way to build their network. And they're the kind of, they've, they've hamstrung themselves. They've painted themselves into a corner. So really, all the people out there that the RDOF money that are thinking about doing this, you know, start smart with good data, with with a system that can help you plan, design, and engineer the network from the beginning. So so you make good decisions and don't paint yourself into a corner. And and by doing that, the the world really is your oyster on how to on how to build it out, on on how to have a flexible network that can meet those customer needs and can change as as industry demands as technology changes, as hardware changes, as customer requirements change. I mean, I remember thinking one day, Ooh, if I got a, you know, a, a 10 megs to the house or heck, if I got five megs to the house, I was going to be sitting pretty, you know, that's not at all the thought anymore. People are wanting a gig and what, what, and maybe 10 gigs in a few years. So start smart, build a network that you can grow with that doesn't, that doesn't pin you in. Those are pretty wise words, Tom, uh, starting smart. And, and, and I would take the, you know, from my perspective in the business world, taking that step back even one, one step further to a business case. And, and I think the point for, for these providers is to think about the business case is there. Uh, you just have to research and document it if you don't have the information already, meaning uh, the demand for bandwidth is there. Uh, your consumers will pay for it. Uh, that part is there. If you do that research into it, I think I think it then becomes it's just that race to how quickly you and if you don't, if it's not you, it will be a competitor eventually. How quickly can you service that demand? And to do that it is exactly where Tom's talking about, which is you got to have the right systems in place and you got to do it smartly. Uh, and if you attack it that way, and, 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 and these systems pay for themselves and they enable uh, providers to get to the consumer and to generate revenue more quickly, more efficiently, uh, and, and that's revenue, but that's also dropping to their bottom line. So the business case itself is there. If you start with the business case and end with the business case, the rest of it all falls into line. And it, it's, you know, from my perspective, it's a no-brainer. And that's where I think uh, 3GIS can enable us and enable the market uh, to get there much more quickly. Uh, it's just a matter of how quickly can we now provide these services to the providers who are, who are servicing the end consumer. But the business case speaks for itself. And, uh, and that's the best type of business to do. And starting smart is not expensive. And that's the nice thing about it. People, people are so scared that it's going to cost them a, an arm and a leg to get started. It doesn't. And the business case, as Sky mentioned, will, will support that every time. And SSP and 3GIS are happy to help with that business case. All right. That does it for the podcast today. Thank you again to our two guests. We've been chatting with Tom Counts, CEO of 3GIS, 
and Sky Perry, CEO of SSP Innovations. I appreciate both of y'all coming on and sharing your insights. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you, Daniel. Awesome. Thank you very much. It's been a good day. Sky, before I let you go, if folks want to find out more about the work SSP Innovations is doing, how can they get in touch or learn more? Uh, easiest way is just to hit our website, sspinnovations.com. We uh, have plenty of information there as well as plenty of avenues to get in touch with the, uh, the right folks within the organization. Fantastic. And same question to you, Tom. If folks want to find out more about some of the work 3GIS is doing in the space, how can they do that and get in touch? Same answer. Hit us on the website, 3-GIS.com, www.3-GIS.com. You can also find us on all the social media outlets as well. Reach out to us. I'm sure we'll respond quickly. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode of Fiberside Chat, a 3GIS podcast. If you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, make sure you're going to our website, 3-GIS.com. Again, 3-GIS.com and subscribing to Fiberside Chat on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.